0: From Headstuff Studios in Dublin. I'm the first nagalga. Welcome to Mother Folklore, podcast about words. Irish. <laughs> Irish words.
1: And words from Ireland.
0: I'm Derek O'Shea. And
1: I'm Pader O'Crivonic. I got it right that time.
0: You actually did get it right I this time. I did get it right that time. For a change.
1: I've ruined it by saying that I got it right this time, but. Uh, we'll see. Well, you know what you can do?
0: What Go fuck myself.
1: Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I was going to say Pogue Mahone. <laughs> okay. Let's say Pogue Mahone as a segue to the fact that we're going to talk about the Pogues this week.
0: Yes. Well. well <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, <laughs> you <we're>, absolute dolt. <laughs> Yes. So
1: you know what you can do? You can Pogue Mahone.
0: I certainly can. And, <laughs> and and that's particularly apt this week because one of the best known expressions in Irish language across the world is Pogue Mahone, which yes, is the, which means
1: kiss my arse.
0: Which was the original name of a band better known now as The Pogues. Exactly. Yeah. And I figured in order to discuss this uh, and to talk about this, I decided to summon in one of my favourite new podcasts in Ireland. Is a podcast called I Love This Band. It is made in Louth. It is made by Jennifer Quigley. She knows her stuff about music and she's in the studio today. Mm. Yes,
2: I I am an amateur music historian from County Louth. Hello.
0: (laughs) Sorry, well. 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 (laughs) That's the crack. Jennifer's show. If you haven't heard it yet, I love this band. is great every week. That what they do is um, she gets a, an interesting guest and usually a musician to talk about a band who they love. And but it starts well, when Jennifer gives a little overview of the the band themselves and, what, and you know a little bit of history, and then it goes into a, a more in depth discussion with someone who really knows their stuff who really likes the band. It's a great show.
2: Thank you so much. But yeah, it's um, I think like everybody has this band that kind of just means a lot to them in comparison maybe to some stuff they listen to casually. Everybody has that one band that they just hold very close to their heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's in your teenage years. Oh, a lot. Like when I was a teenager, I was really big into like... Female-fronted like punk rock and grunge, uh, so I loved Hole, Courtney Love. Oh, yeah. I loved uh, <clears throat> the Stillers, Brody Dahl Amazing. Uh, so yeah, grunge and punk. Like when I was younger, was You're yeah, that was my thing. Significantly
1: cooler than me. Mine is Counting Crows.
2: <laughs> oh well, it's like I mean, I think I saw them before. Oh yeah, I've seen yeah. them
1: live. Amazing show, but yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So that was kind of yeah. I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. So I, I suppose it those would be two bands I haven't actually profiled on my podcast yet because
1: Because you'd be interviewing yourself
2: I'd be interviewing myself it might <laughs> run four hours and nobody will listen to it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah maybe Dark I have Derek
1: would, li- would listen to it he'd yeah. listen to it and he'd talk to me about uh, for another four hours <laughs> he would um, so one of those bands one of those really special bands that resonates with a lot of people a lot of Irish people and a lot of people of Irish descent all around the world is the Pogues. The Pogues,
0: yeah. Yeah, and I thought, particularly because, I mean, a lot, sometimes you talk to people and they've they've found their way into Irish from like from fantasy literature that mentions that sometimes they find into it through parenthood, but some people do find their way back to Irish through music, and a huge way of how Irish culture is represented has been through our musical traditions. And maybe the Pogues have done this in a very interesting way, particularly because of the historical circumstances that they came out of, the, the time and place they came out of, and and there's that, that moment in Irish, that, that happens to be happening in Irish history at the same time. It's, and I just, and, and Shane McGowan is one of the most famous Irish people in the world. And just uh, there's, there's just a lot to talk about. Yeah, Where do we even start?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Shane McGowan to a lot of Irish people and to a lot of London Irish people is, he's kind of like a folk hero, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, he's gone from being kind of like, viewed with suspicion and people kind of uh, questioning his authenticity as a, as a trad folk musician, and yeah. then, of course, then maybe this anti-Irish kind of sentiment from the seventies and eighties, and then, you know. But I think he's come through all that, and now people really do look at him as kind of like the punk rock Ronnie Drew. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he kind of does have that kind well, he of persona. We had the same kind
1: of tribute paid to him, like an entire late late show dedicated to to him. So he's kind of he's uh, he's gone mainstream, basically. You know, he's he's accepted as one of the he's in the pantheon of great Irish musical stars I won't say rock stars but musical stars
2: Oh well yeah I would say I would say a rock star Yeah, He I is a rock yeah, star but absolutely. he's transcended
1: even that to go yeah. up there with, with, with the greats from he, all genres The
2: yeah. thing is about the Pogues I mean everybody kind of uh, who likes punk rock or new punk rock kind of sees all these Irish American bands kind of doing the whole quote unquote Celtic punk thing mm-hmm. but I mean that was perfected by Shane McGowan
1: We're not, not going to body the drop pick Murphys here We're
2: not going to say not, anything mean about them We're not going to say no. anything
1: mean about them They're great guys yeah, 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 yeah. but I mean,
2: they they do. They, yeah. they are indebted. There would, be, there would
1: be no, there would be no blood or whiskey. There would be no uh, dropkick Murphys. There would be no Black Forty Seven. There would be, and no, um, even though they're like sort of rap metal and not quite, are they? Yeah, ah, oh, they're incredible. Um, there would be no Shanachie. There would be all of these bands. You know, would not exist. None of them without the Pogues.
2: And I think um, you know, it, it, it. The Pogues are. Quintessential London Irish too. Mm-hmm. So I mean I'm I'm only thirty, so I can't remember the eighties, right? <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Darrell can. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but um mm-hmm. so I've always grown up with Shane McGowan there, and I think even growing up as a kid, I probably would have just thought he was from Dublin. I didn't yeah. you know what I mean? I didn't know. Yeah. He's There's, just he's just been that guy there, there the whole are, time. There, there
1: are Shane McGowan truthers who believe he was born and reared in Pecan in the County Tipperary. Yeah. They will not accept that he's London Irish.
2: But I he thought is. he was born in Tipperary. He's quite essentially London. This is
0: <laughs> no. this, here's the thing: we know that like the that sometimes people are born and then their family move when a child is young, one way or the other. There's a there is a huge. Um, Overlapping, and I remember a while back, an English person said to me they were giving out. It was recent. There was um, they were talking about the Spotify list, which said, "Oh, half of your music comes from Australia, or or thirty percent of your bands come from France." And he, this person was giving out saying that if ACDC are Australian, then the Pogues are English. If you apply the same criteria of nationality, yeah, and yeah. but. No, I I don't I think that.
1: like, can you say that ACDC dc are definitively Australian? I bands? think like, it's people not, it's not view them
2: as the Australian flagship in every country. I think as but, their yeah. flagship rock yeah, band, and like, I think they are that. You know,
1: I mean, look, the Australians can be very proud of AC/DC and what they've achieved, absolutely. But like, when they jump into your head when you think of ACDC, dc is the first thought uh, Australian, or does that is that reserved for like Men at Work?
2: No, for you know? me, I would say uh, yeah, Aussie, yeah, Aussie rock band. But yeah. like when yeah. you
1: think of the Pogues, what's the first thing that drops into your head?
2: That's 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 kind of what I what I mean. Yeah. But in that in saying that is that I grew up. He might as well have been from from Dublin or Wicklow mm, or somewhere. Yeah. I, I the the London Irish thing wasn't something I understood growing up. I didn't you know. Yeah, I knew he had a bit of an English accent, <laughs> but I just didn't. But I, I mean, I know people yeah. in in Dundalk that were born in England, yeah. and they still have the twang of their accent, yeah. but they're pure town
1: they put you in a box exactly you at? Yeah.
2: hit you with a box hit you <laughs> a box
1: yeah, yeah. Um, of course there's no one in Adi or Dada can use an all anyway like,
2: yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like yeah that doesn't you know what I mean I don't think your accent or your, your city where you live kind of you know rights over your Irishness and yeah. I think that's kind yeah. of their punk rock MO it's like okay uh, our parents came from Ireland. Yeah. Both my parents are Irish. I grew up listening to Irish music. I am not Irish, like maybe, uh, you know, the the home country people are Irish. But the London Irish thing is an identity in itself. Yeah, and it's I think not. that's their that was their kind of mission statement. I think just yeah. from and what I've read about them. And
0: critically, I think a band like the Pogues may have had to come to Ireland from a distance because, and if they had come. Entirely from Ireland, Ireland. They'd be from a county. They'd be a Cork band or they'd be a yeah. Limerick band. They wouldn't oh, yeah, be. Of course. So, <laughs> in some ways, the London Irishness actually gave an opportunity for them to represent the entire island. In a way, yeah, that's, made a, it up otherwise. that's
1: a really good point because that, that is exactly how you two are quintessentially a Dublin band, mm-hmm. love yeah. them or hate them. Boomtown Rats, a Dublin band, the Frank and Walters, a cork band,
2: yeah,
0: bye, you know? yeah, <laughs>
1: <they're> bye. <right. laughs> Jape is a Louth artist,
2: like the cores are quintessentially done up, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: you know, completely town.
2: <laughs> but look, yeah, I mean, no, we have a couple of bands, uh, doing quite well. Did the I moment. say Jape?
1: <laughs> Jape's not from Louth, is he? No, no, Jinx Lennon.
2: Jinx Lennon, yeah, Jinx Lennon. Jinx, yes. Lennon, Jinx, Lennon, Lennon. Jinx Lennon is uh, quintessential Dundalk, Absolutely. like you know, outsider art. He does, you know, he doesn't care. He's not from Dublin. He doesn't care. He's not from Belfast. He is himself. Yeah. And and even uh, some bands uh, from from Dundalk, like Just Mustard, TPM. Like these guys are are flying the flag for Dundalk. My and favorite even band from
1: Dundalk is uh, an all-female collective called The Periods. Yes. Uh, they're yeah. uh, they're pretty out there.
2: Yeah, we're pretty out there in Dundalk. Like, no, I think (laughs) we're an underdog, but there's so many creative people there and it's a lovely scene, a lovely music scene and Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of it.
1: So speaking of music scenes, like one of the things you mentioned there, Jen, is that like, because you're 30, you don't have the lived memory of what the 80s were like. But to sort of sum it up, if we can, it was a hell of a time to be starting an Irish band in Britain.
2: Brave. Yeah. Brave. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I know as much... Uh, I can remember seeing, like, signs for the hunger strikers still up in the 90s in Dundalk when that happened in 1981. So that stuff kind of... it's It might not be in living memory, but it's it's kind of there. And even if you grow up from the 90s and 2000s, it's, it's still stuff that's kind of talked about. It's mm-hmm. like recent history. Um, so that's another, you know, interesting thing about them. It was very punk rock to showcase your Irishness at a time when Irish's, Irishness was feared, hated, you know, looked mm-hmm. down upon. Um, even the way they looked. Yeah. Um, they styled themselves, was it Paddy Sheik or something he called it? Paddy he Chic?
0: Yeah. Love it. It's,
2: it's in this like this book I, I read that just really kind of opened my mind to this is uh, Irish Blood, English Heart by Sean Campbell. It's pretty famous. But um, yeah, he he wrote in there that Paddy Sheik was Shane McGowan's thing that they kind of dress in like loose... Bad fitting suits and like a no tie cause you're all <laughs> drunk and stuff it's like Brendan like, like Behan kind of Irish, Irish Uncle you know, at a Wedding like yeah Irish Uncle at a Wedding and that was like that was the look do you know mm. what I mean it's like if you're going to fear my Irishness I'm going to look like the biggest paddy possible <laughs> you know my fiddle and my flute and I'm going to you know I don't care you well, know
1: one of my favourite things I read about them was like they they kinda like they 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 came to the attention of the record label when they opened for the Clash, but they really came to public attention when they appeared on the Tube on Channel Four, playing a, uh, a doing a music video for the, their version of the trad song "The Waxies Dargle," throughout which Spider Stacy repeatedly smashed himself over the head with a beer tray. <laughs> It is the single most on-brand thing a band could, could do.
2: Exactly. And it's
1: absolutely outrageous. Like, for the time, it's just unreal.
2: You're using yeah. his head as percussion. It's like, I'm going to say it about mm. myself before you say it about me. Y- it's very that. Yes. It's very that. I think as Irish people, we do have that self-deprecating thing. Like, And it's
1: only funny when we say it.
2: Yeah, but if any... If you, <laughs> okay, we're, we're all on Twitter and we've all seen the Irish Twitter thing. Somebody puts a foot wrong in Irish Twitter. It's like a flipping... It's a feeding frenzy. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, like,
1: it's, it's funny when we say it, but don't you dare say
2: it about Don't you dare us. say it about <laughs> Yeah.
0: It is funny cuz there, there are some there are some international tweeters who've wandered into Irish Twitter accidentally. And, and but and, and sometimes w- with great affection and there then you do see every now and then these articles saying like Twitter in Ireland is different in terms of the actual proportion of the population it represents because possibly because people are spread out and we, we need it to keep together in a way that maybe Yeah. that that maybe I don't think English Twitter is 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 has been popular and kept alive by people by expats missing a home.
2: I think yeah. Okay, we'll go back to the London Irish thing like yeah. if you're in a guy, a young fella living in London for three years, you still have the same lived experience, really, as somebody here in Dublin. Do you know what I mean? You're going to be the same things bother you, you've mm-hmm. got you know the same heritage behind you. So it is, it is a lovely thing to keep mm-hmm. the community together. And I would, even, because our country is so small, there's only what four million of us,
1: yeah, four four and a half. We're yeah. nearly
2: more like a community than a country in some <laughs> yeah. ways, like, but um,
1: there's, like, there's fewer people in Ireland yeah. than there are in London.
2: Exactly. And we're three degrees of separation from each other, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys interviewed somebody I knew, you know? It's kind of that it's, kind of thing. It's, yeah, it's I'm, very I'm, that.
0: Yeah, I'm fairly sure that you know someone I know yeah. who we haven't. You know. <laughs> yeah,
2: Yeah. exactly. It's But I love that, in mm-hmm. a way. I do love that about Ireland. And, you know, that's what they were creating in London in the late 70s and the early 80s. They were creating a, a strong London Irish community and they were... You know, celebrating their identity and playing. It's a Shane McGowan growing up in the punk rock movement would have looked at the likes of Johnny Rotten. And everybody forgets that Johnny Rotten has two Irish parents. Yeah, mm. John Lydon. John, John Lydon yeah. is London Irish. Mm. Uh, so the most anti establishment, anti monarchy, feral man in punk rock.
1: <laughs> mm. Until he sold a, out and started doing ads for what was it? Butter or something. Yeah. We'll
2: we'll talk about it <laughs> <Matt tonight>. as, <laughs> as, as a nineteen-year-old, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was pretty feared and and but yeah and I mean I think that fire comes from his Irish heritage that's a hot take that's not back up <laughs> but I think a lot of that anti-establishment kind of frustration would come from you know being in that background
1: but does it also come from and you mentioned it early on right Enough. it comes from this sort of prevailing sentiment of anti-Irishness that like absolutely a- at the time late 70s early 80s Faulty Towers has been on like where the Irish builder was a punchline you know there's a whole episode where the joke is he's Irish and he's stupid and isn't he bad at his job and this is from a universally loved comedy that was broadcast on primetime like the, those... R-
0: the two Ronnies almost had Irishman jokes in their and their end thing they said that, that it was almost the, among the writers it was a competition because the writers are paid per gag right? and they said or, the big thing was not just who got the best joke who got the best Irishman joke
1: Right like I, do, I watch a lot of the Tyrannies and there's not a lot of it. You don't um, see a lot of it. Maybe some days. of maybe
0: they've been cut out. Yeah. Maybe they've
2: been cut out. I mean, yeah. and I mean, not only and we're not only talking about the troubles, but also like um, I don't know, you know, the no Irish, no blacks, no dogs, yeah. like those signs. I mean, you're if you are a young person growing up as a as a British person, but your parents are Irish, you're seeing these signs and you're like, okay, people can't see can't see my Irishness, they can't hear my Irishness, but. I see it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you've got, you're like you a don't double realize, agent. You don't realize
1: you're talking about me like Yeah, but yeah.
2: you are like a double agent because you're, you're seeing the other side of it. So it's like, yeah, you've got a wider mm-hmm. perspective. People get too comfortable around you, maybe, you know? So, especially
1: yeah. if you're there and you're in the punk scene and yeah. you're sort of, this, this, people don't realize that like this attitude that they're displaying, this pro British, anti Irish attitude, well, that's, that's really, that's against me. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you can't tell, be, like you say, like you mm. can't hear it in my accent. You can't hear it in, mm. or you can't see it. Until I dress in paddy chic, you can't yeah, see it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Until
2: I actually break out the fiddle in the middle of like <laughs> middle of the pitch, like you especially know what
0: I mean? at, at, at the the parallel side of this era was the kind of I guess the the well the. The English presenting Irishman, or the kind of a respectable kind of the, the between. Oh the yeah, you had, you
1: had to English yourself yeah. up if you were. What's that? Like the
2: Seanine? Is that what that? The means? Is, that what <laughs> yeah, is? Yeah. I, think,
1: I don't know if Terry Wogan quite counts as a Seanine. He was <laughs> he was proud to be Irish, yeah. but you could hardly tell listening to him. You know, he's hardly you know. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, he was yeah. from Limerick too. He, he Limerick. certainly didn't sound didn't like didn't a Limerick, sound like Limerick man.
1: Boy, like. Yeah. No.
2: <laughs> 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 or the old, or the old fellas in Limerick. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I could listen to them read the phone book. I love it. <laughs> But but I
0: suppose, yeah, Dave Allen and Terry Wogan were hugely popular. Val Duikin still had a show on at the same time. And O'Connor?
1: Oh, he's second generation, though. It was non
0: threatening. It was a non threatening version of Irishness. Diluted
2: down. You know, like my waddy. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Which is Irish. (laughs) Uh, These guys were not diluted down. This was raw. This was in your face. This was punk. It wasn't pop punk. It wasn't soft. When they were starting out, they were, like like I said, they were opening for The Clash. They were really, really kind of out there so out there that it almost really didn't didn't work out for them they...
2: Yeah I mean uh, like uh, Derek was talking about how I did an episode on The Clash too and Joe Strummer would have been a fairly leftist uh, figure at the time too so he would have been very sympathetic to you know anti-racism and uh, socialist movements and things like that so yeah I mean I can see mm-hmm. why they had an alliance in a way too I heard a version of Straight to Hell I think he did that with the Pogues it sounded so cool it just really worked you know
0: mm-hmm. It's it awesome. It's so, yeah. so awesome. Mm. So you probably, in, in terms of the 80s, when the, the Pogues are at the top, they probably have two cla- really classic albums, "Rum Sodomy and The Lash, and then I Should Fall From Grace of God. And in these, both of these um, both of these albums, uh, Shane McCann intersects you know, well-chosen, well-curated cover versions with his own writing.
2: Absolutely. Uh, and the interesting thing, actually, because we're talking about two identities here, you're talking about... Uh, Irish people born and bred here, like us, who you know, mm. uh, and then there's the London Irish identity. Mm. Uh, so, on the cover of that album, it's a it's a painting called "The Raft of the Medusa." Yeah, uh, by Jerry Co. That's a uh, "Rum Sodomy and the Lash," mm. and that's apparently depicting somebody b- between two lands, between two worlds. Oh. So that's kind of what they were, tr- that's the message they were trying to send. Like, I'm not an Irishman, but I'm I'm not, okay, you say I'm not, not an Irishman, Irishman, but I'm not an Englishman.
1: I'm too English I'm, for the Paddies I'm and I'm too Irish too for the Irish. Brits. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. So yeah. that's kind of um, very poignant on that album yeah. too. Like, I, I thought that was very beautiful when I spotted that. It, it's, yeah, there's symbols there that, you know, not the, the naked eye might not see. Mm.
1: and And like a lot of, a lot of, that theme kind of runs through their songs like you know through things like the the sort of the, the desperate homesickness of um the old main drag like yeah. that that absolute heartaking lyrical poetry of McGowan's and then and you have like they covered um they covered British songs they covered mm-hmm. dirty old town which mm-hmm. Guys, I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's not about Dublin. It's about Salford. Salford. You McCall wrote it, yeah. yeah. And I covered uh, Eric Bogle's The Band Played Waltzing Matilda. That
2: song mm. is so sad. So like, sad. it gives me chills. Like, listen to it in the car, I get really emotional. I, yeah,
0: I, Unreal. I generally yeah. skip over it unless yeah. I'm in a real... Honestly, you need the
1: headspace to listen <laughs> yeah.
0: to it.
2: And like, um, yeah, the songs are just really about sad displacement and working yourself to death. Like, Paddy on the Railway, poor yeah. Paddy, you know, and...
0: A huge part of the, the the post got a big spike in popularity when the wire came out mm. because the um, the. Um, uh, McNulty's Detective McNulty's, they were his favorite band. He'd listen to them oh, a lot, and yeah, it was yeah. it was kind of like almost like it played was, by
1: Englishman Dominic West. <laughs> play by
0: Englishman. But they had
2: to ham up his Irish Americanness so yeah, that he course. loves the Pogues and but,
0: Jameson. But it, shot of the Pogue
2: <laughs> CD in his yeah, car, yeah. you know, yeah. But, but was it was a kind
0: of, it was kind of like almost like an operatic leak motif that if there's a bit of uh, the Pogues playing you know he's nearby, and also one of the Pogues songs was sang at every policeman's wake. In Baltimore Which is a body of an American Yeah It's
1: oh, yeah. such a good song
0: though Yeah It's, it's such a, a good cracking song, song Big Jim and Dwyer First We are for lectures i And to him And For while a
1: Every single song on that on that album, Rum Sodom Be in the Night, is in its own way just yeah. so poignant, so perfect, mm. so brilliant. Like A Rainy Night in Soho is mm. arguably the greatest Irish love song. Like yeah. arguably the
0: greatest. It's unbelievable. A great funeral song too.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know a band um, from uh, from Britain from uh, was it, where they're from Welling Garden City, uh, and they were called the Gorgeous Rex, and they covered it. But their lead singer had this very distinctive English accent. He's second generation mm-hmm. Irish, Brian Burke. But it, the song, every time he sang it, 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 sang it, it sounds like on a rainy night and so hung. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's absolutely class.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, and just like yeah, just like you said, you know, um, like Derek just said, like the the place. Co- I- covers of traditional Irish songs like you know we've got like Martian and Durkin, like I uh, like here look I'm a culty right <laughs> mm-hmm. we have Loud Me The FM right and there's uh, interesting versions of that song being played all the time I, c- I can rhyme it off I didn't even need to listen to it today they, I was like no I know that yeah, song yeah, yeah. too well
1: and all the ones that they play on LMF they have the same backing track oh,
2: <laughs> oh stop jeez I could play them myself <laughs> and I'm not even a great <laughs> musician but um, yeah yeah uh, But yeah, the song's more so about being about Ireland. They're about being out of Ireland and being in a different place. It's displacement. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is, it just, there's ways in which I would listen to Rum, Sodomy and the Lash. And and something came to mind and it was, I was reading about the homeless Irish in London and how the idea of not being able to go home. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of, yeah, like the painting on the cover. It's like you're in between two lands you you're you're kind of a transient in in London but your your Ireland doesn't exist anymore because you're out of it for 40 years and uh, i was nearly crying in the pub there before I <laughs> <came in. laughs> well reading about this poor guy joseph <laughs> Tr- Trohey from Tipperary and he died alone in London last year and I, yeah. I i i had just when i was just thinking about all these songs i couldn't help but think of that think of the yeah. the the idea of being kind of you know anonymous in London and your homeland being kind of not what you remember leaving, you know. Yeah. It's kind of very sad. Yeah. Oh, we'll liven it up a bit now, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but but, it, um, Yeah, yeah it, all these themes are kind of interwoven in all their music, I think, you know
0: a big thing about the the London Irish community a large part of the London Irish community particularly from the 50s onwards was that it, like like a lot of emigration it was highly gendered you had a lot of a, a disproportionately high amount of men going over yeah. spending their time basically officially having to send money over but the, the only social outlet being these Irish pubs that were kind of dangerous places uh, a lot of toxic masculinity being pushed there uh, a, a situation where you were seen as a sell out for fitting in too much but not fitting in meant you would be left completely alone like some of these like Irish most people it it's a tragic thing I'm glad to know that the London Irish Centre yeah. great, great pals I've done yeah. a talk there recently they are, are doing some great outreach for, for that
2: I got to go there with, I have a friend in London uh, she lives in Islington and uh, she, we went there and um I was just delighted to see a big picture of Big Tom on the wall. I just thought that was so funny. (laughs) I actually took a picture. I was like, this is great. Because it really is a little slice of home. Like, it is nice to have these places. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And yeah, and and talking about being kind of, uh, you know, not accepted in London and not accepted in Ireland. Like, the Pogues did come over to Ireland and play their music. Yeah. Like, Mm. on the Late Late Show and things like this. And they were not received well.
1: No. No we had this weird sort of relationship where we were sort of in a vicarious way very proud of them for doing so well but to shock and all the language and the themes of the songs and it's not very appropriate and so I don't want to hear that on the late, well, late now.
2: I don't know if this is kind of this thing in the 80s where it was kind of very puritanical here and, and maybe people wanted to kind of Quote unquote, better themselves and not be the paddy on the railway anymore and be perceived in a kind of a yuppie sort of way and kind of looking yeah. down on those old stereotypes because they they were seen as demeaning. And here's Shane McGowan Just
1: hamming it up.
2: Second generation Irish guy, yeah. covered over dressed like a drunken uncle at a wedding yeah, with yeah. a fiddle, pissed drunk, he teeth falling like, out.
1: One summer evening, drunk to hell, yeah. I sat there nearly lifeless. Yeah. Like, yeah. And
2: it's like people probably looked at them and were mortified. like this is what you. This is how you choose to represent Ireland. They just didn't understand what all the London Irish stuff and you know
1: all that, the that, stuff
2: behind it. They that, didn't yeah, understand. Yeah, that, you that know, sense
1: of displacement. But like you're trying to you're trying to convey a sense of displacement to the people who have literally abandoned you and forgotten about you, and they don't care about second generation immigrants in London. They just they don't understand. Don't understand. Don't want to. Can we just have? Can we not have Sandy Kelly and Daniel O'Donnell on the Late Late Show instead, please? Thank you very much. <laughs>
2: Country special, but also <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: I think though, there's an interesting parallel, there's, there's another Irish band who kind of got started off at the same time and, and, all, and were called U2. And they were, they were maybe a, probably a just different kind of aspirational. And the, I think probably U2's popularity, especially around the time of Live Aid, was very connected to a new sense where Ireland had always had a perception of itself as, as being poor. And then suddenly U2 and Live Aid and Bob Geldof started connecting our, Irish poverty to historically innocent whiteness. And people were much more comfortable with that And they did And
2: they play upon that. And like you do often see Bono. Anytime there's mm. something to do with a marginalised community, he will be like, ah, coming from a boy from the north side of Dublin and everybody's cringing. Oh. Like, mm-hmm. it's not... Paul, it's, Paul, it's give not, it a rest, Paul. And like, do you know what? Mm. He is, sometimes I think, yeah, he is actually pure of heart and he doesn't really mean... To, you right. know, he's trying... This is his way of kind of extending... Out. But I think yeah. everybody else doesn't kind of see it the way he does, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Especially nowadays when everybody's a little bit more <laughs> kind of versed on these topics. It's <laughs> not yeah. like
1: and a bit more hard nosed and cynical to be honest with yeah. you as well. Like we don't swallow it as easily and yeah. we one thing we don't like is we kind of we've all got a bit pogish now. We don't like being pontificated to. Yeah. yeah. We kind of just push it back at people.
2: Yeah. And, uh,
0: but I suppose certainly at the time, and it, it, it took a while for the Pogues to be completely accepted in Ireland. I think like that because there was a perception that the uh, that the traditional Irish music community felt that there was that these songs should be sang in a certain way, and then whereas the uh, the, the punk element, even still, I, I I think that those people still thought punk, even though a huge, it was a huge part of the of the Irish community involved in it, this, this was still saw sort as of a very British thing.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, in the 80s anyway. yeah, um, yeah, yeah like uh, another episode I did on mine, uh, w- me and uh, Carly were talking about, uh, she's Canadian, so she always perceives mm-hmm. 70s punk as English 70s punk, and mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I usually think of it more as kind of the two. I said, because I'm in between the USA and, uh, and England, I'm looking back in that history going, no, it was happening at the same time, yeah, but what happened was the English guys were importing American punk, punk and then that version of it was being brought back into America again so it all got mixed up Mm -hmm. so nobody knows where anything came from do you know what I mean it's kind of like you You can't
1: have the New York Dolls and the Sex Pistols like active at the same time doing the same kind of thing well
2: Michael McLaren would have seen the New York Dolls and thought this is cool so he would have brought it back to England and go okay guys dress like crazy Mm -hmm. Uh, Sid Vicious would have wanted to look like a Ramon with a leather jacket so then the Sid Vicious look would have been brought back into America and then the American guys are trying to look like Sid Vicious and then you know it's Mm You know, then nobody knows where it came like from. you
0: fast
1: <laughs> forward a little bit and you end up with Justin Bieber. Somehow,
0: we <laughs> don't know exactly what the what process happens. is, but yeah. Yeah, like bad photocopies of bad photocopies. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, basically, it's like a, it snowballs and then nobody knows how it started.
0: This episode is sponsored by First and the Gallagher, who are celebrating 20 years of promoting the Irish language, na Fos. Here is just one of the projects they do.
1: Gno means business. First, Le Gaeilge offer a wide range of free support to encourage the use of Irish as a business marketing tool, including consultation, guides, and translation supports to raise awareness about using the Irish language. They also provide the business support scheme, funding, advice, and proofreading to develop bilingual signage, stationery, and marketing material. The QArc Ghanóa Le award system acknowledges business organizations that evaluate, develop and capitalise on the use of the Irish language throughout the island of Ireland. You can find out more about Gano Means Business on Twitter at at Ghanóa First na Gaelge, celebrating 20 years, Siar Dianga
0: So I love Rum and the Lash, but I think if if I Could Fall From Grace of God was it was more successful, was more commercially successful album. I think that is the one with, which has probably the even more famous songs.
1: Definitely has the most famous book yes. song. It has um, their Irish number one, British number two, and uh, favourite uh, at Christmas all around the world, but not without controversy. Oh, fairy of Tale of New York. So yeah.
2: We can't really not talk about Fairy Tale no. of New York.
0: <laughs> and I'll, I'll open with saying that this came out, Fairy Tale of New York came out the same year as Money for Nothing but Dire Straits, which also has had a verse that included the offensive word in question. Okay. But they just cut that from the radio version. They cut that verse from the radio version. It was and for, in Dire Straits and the real question is why wasn't like I mean the, oh, so many poke songs have swear words expletives um, in context um, a, a, a objectionable words for either through persona or through representing someone who a character who isn't bad but it was just it, the fact that it wasn't bleeped out at the time and it was let run seems to be a very odd well, decision
2: Well look um, back then I don't think people were as uh, you know receptive to you know LGBT issues right yeah so that's that's a big reason why it's not like now where we're, we're kind of like no it's just not acceptable it's mm-hmm. not acceptable to use those words yeah and yeah like the word in question could be edited out or it could be replaced with another word yeah and that's nearly more fun I think so you know
0: I think Pat you had a couple of suggestions or suge- I yeah. no- notions on that one
1: you scumbaggy maggot you taped over taggart yeah <laughs>
2: I'm not quick enough now. I can't freestyle. You'll have to leave that
1: for a while. As if that's freestyling. <laughs> I, I suppose one of the things about it is, is like in context and when you speak quite correctly about the time. Like, people not as sensitive to LGBTQ plus issues, not kind of realising that this is more than just a harmful word. Obviously, in character, in context, in the song, it's being thrown as an insult. It is a slur and everybody knows it is. And one of the characters is throwing, like, somebody has just been called an old slut on junk and then they throw back the F slur, right? But that is not really the crux of the issue when it comes to this that the problem is the warmth and the gusto and the passion with which it's now belted out by people singing the song and that people are now treating it as an excuse to say a word that they're not like it's kind of treated the way the n-word is in in rap songs that like it gives white douchebags an opportunity to to shout out the n-word at the top of the voice and it's not cool It's
2: kind of like if you say something and it really hurts your friend Yeah you would be apologetic to your friend and be like, "Oh God, I'm so sorry, I said that." Like,
1: yeah. like you wouldn't be going, "It's in the song."
2: Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, "I'm so sorry that I that I that I said that about you." I like, I you know, I was stupid and I was ignorant. And I didn't realize by saying that I was going to really hurt you and make you feel ostracized. You would be apologetic. So why does why does singing a song? Why is that different? You know, like. Yeah, I mean, just showing people respect is more important than a thirty-year-old song and its lyrical content, as far as I'm concerned. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, it is in—it is one of the most famous, most played Christmas songs of all time. I have to admit, I get sick of it now because I just mm. <laughs> like I've heard it my whole life. But
0: and it wasn't written to be a Christmas hit. I think it, people said, "Hey, the song's ri- re- this song was written has Christmas mentioned it. Maybe we should release it as a Christmas single." I don't think it was like envisioned the way "Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day" it? It was a Christmas <laughs> yeah. song. And
2: what about that uh, lyric? Uh, the boys of the NYPD choir were singing Galway Bay. So yeah. is that about the the actual police, or is that about the guys in the cell? What's no, that lyric
1: guy, about? It's the guys in the cell. It's the, the, guys the in the, the cell. The New York Police Department has never had a choir. Right? They have a pipe band. The NYPD choir is it's again like we go back to the, the theme earlier on of anti-Irishness but like in America it was anti-drunk Irishness the NYPD choir is the Irish boys pissed out of their minds in the holding cell or the and drunk singing, tank as it's known and they're singing the
2: L Triangle or whatever oh well they're singing Galway Bay <laughs> or Galway Bay, <laughs> go, yeah, go yeah. bay. exactly oh, yeah they're singing Galway Bay yeah. and but the this bells
0: like, yeah. this is like the, the theory behind the paddy wagons and be having a, be coming from the fact that there was Irish police force, or is it just because they picked up the Irish? There was a criminals. little bit of both. and yeah. The Whiskey Train was the train to Queens, I think. Which the Whiskey Train.
2: <laughs> that's a really good name I for like a that. Celtic punk band. If the anybody's listening, the Whiskey Train. We'll
1: set it up. We'll do it. What can you play? <laughs> quick, guys! Quick! Somebody
0: else is going to do it. I don't know. <laughs> Tabarin. Uh, Tom Waits is Uncle Whiskey Train, doesn't he? Is he Uncle kind of Whiskey I, Train? I believe. I...
2: Just that's a fantastic name for a Celtic punk band. It's fantastic. Yes. The Whiskey, whiskey train. train. Yeah.
1: I, I'm reading up. This is one of my. Um, this is just just how weird people get about the, um, the 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 song "Fairytale in New York" and in particular the the slur that like mm-hmm. we really shouldn't be cool with. No. In when Katie Malua performed the song uh, with the Pogues uh, on, on ITV in December two thousand and five, oh. uh, ITV censored the word "arse." Happy Christmas, your arse! I, pray God I it didn't our last, censor the f didn't censor it. the f slur. Like it's just.
2: See the thing is too right. I'd say Shane McGowan is probably, I mean, I don't know if he cares, but I mean, he's written so many songs and this is getting so much, it's getting so much time. This song is like the most talked about song for better or for worse. And like there's so many other songs he's written That must be so frustrating in a way too you know but listen the main thing is just don't say that word it's not nice yeah. don't be even, nice to your friends even be,
1: Shane McGowan just said like you know yeah. what I mean he, uh, I, he said it in a statement like he wrote it because it's in character it's what someone would say in that situation at that time like he's no problem with you bleeping it he just doesn't want an argument about it yeah that's it like just
2: he's probably like I've got other albums guys like do you want to listen to them
1: like I mean <laughs> and and like it's not as if Shame McGowan is in any way homophobic. Like if you listen back to stuff like the old main drag, yeah,
2: that's about like that's about male a gay sex worker. sex worker,
1: a male sex worker, exactly being raped and abused. Like it's yeah, it's the incra- old men it's incredibly sensitive, at you, like, <laughs> it, but it's sensitive and it's lovely yeah. and it's it's oh, heartbreaking. Yeah.
2: He's not know? judging that. He's he's actually it's sympathetic to the yeah. protagonist and it's mm-hmm. kind of like yeah, it, it, like it's it's another uh, version of that theme of uh, displacement where this guy we're going to assume he's London Irish or something yeah. or an immigrant or a transient and yeah he's in a desperate situation
1: mm-hmm.
2: and this is his reality So you just know? do
1: what Shane would do and just you know, be fucking sensitive about it Be cool it, right? yeah. Yeah. Don't do a Gavin and Stacey on it and, yeah, like and I mean roar look, it and have a laugh
2: Yeah and the two characters in it are really undesirable and they're really horrible to each other you know what I mean it's not really that romantic It's that not song. aspirational it's, like not, it's not No you don't yeah. want to the be
1: point. like that. It's it's kind of like, you know, the recent thing about like You Black and Tans getting to the charts and like let's face it, bop, absolute song, <laughs> right? Tune, right? But a lot of people don't realize it's 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 a satire of a rebel song. Dominic B wrote it about his dad. Coming home, steaming, drunk, and roaring at Protestants. Like it's it's, yeah, now, it's exactly. not actually it's not actually about someone who fought the black and tans. The
2: thing is about that song, though. I just I do understand why people find it very empowering. You know, because it is like I think it was a blind boy said it. It's like a gangster rap song. Like it actually yeah, is. It, it's a call to arms. It's a call That's to song. arms, and it's anti-authority. And like it is. A, to be honest, that is hard. I would say punk the, rock too. You know, like it a, is so crazy there's
0: <laughs> a writer in Boston called Tom Dunn not the same guy from Something Happens are you, are you, are you, This is Tom with an H? there's Tom with a H and he as well as being a journalist and a musician he, is, he has done a mashup Glee style mashup between uh, Fuck the Police and Comeyci Black and Tans, and it's pretty cool <laughs> oh,
2: oh my okay. god okay we got to find that you're going to have to tweet that one out now because yeah. that's that sounds amazing that sounds <laughs> like every young fella in Ireland will be like <laughs> blasting that out yeah. of a uh, flipping mm. hatchback
1: that is that is <laughs>
0: I was born in a Dublin street where the royal drums do beat. And those loving
1: English feet, they walked all over us. And every single night, when me dad would come home tight, he'd invite neighbors out this this fine chorus. Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young Nick got a bad in this town. Tans have authority to kill the minorities. Fuck that
2: shit, because I am. Gangster for life. <laughs> I'll be blasting that out of my Yaris now, watch me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is pure Pogs, that is a Yaris.
2: Yeah, that's it. Me and my friend were like listening to, it was a and two Tupac in my very old Toyota Yaris. And I was like, this really isn't, a, this, it's not really giving out that effect. She was like, no, because it's old, it's like an aesthetic, you know.
0: It is, it's, it's, it's a vibe. It's a <laughs> massive, it's a, big, vibing, mood. Just it's a big mood. We're vibing, just vibing. Isn't the Yaris the most popular car among nuns in Ireland? The Yaris Verso certainly is. My
1: wife used to drive a Yaris Verso. Yeah, some guy told me. It's like the van version of a Yaris. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, my wife drove them for many years and the only other people we saw driving it were nuns. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Uh. fellow Yaris Verso driver.
2: (laughs) I'm going to defend the Yaris drivers out there. When you're at the airport, you can get into the tightest little spaces and you're going (laughs) to watch these people with their BMWs struggling. Give them a wee wave. <laughs>
0: <laughs> beep, beep. Well, <laughs> definitely. So the um, back, getting back to the Fudge Grace of God, as well as having, um, as well as having Fairy Tale New York on it, also has my favourite Pogue song, which is Thousands Are Sailing.
1: Okay. Written, not by McGowan, but by Phil Chevron, yeah? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Sorry, t- I love Phil Chevron, he was class.
0: In Thousands of Sailing, they, they, they make a connection between the famine ships moving over, the experience of, of being Irish in New York and in America, connecting the Kennedys to Brendan Behan to the music of George Cohn, the Times Square's favourite bard. Oh. That guy. Yeah. And a blackbird breaks the silence. As it down, and and Brendan Behan's footsteps had danced up and down the street. But then this moment of crying after a party is just so powerful.
1: And yeah, and yeah. Crying after a party is also so relatable.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All too relatable. I kept joking I was going to have my birthday cry when I turned thirty, but uh, you know, I actually had a good, a nice birthday. But oh. you know. So
1: have you hadn't had your birthday cry yet? Uh,
2: I, I've had a birthday cry. Yeah, okay. I'm over mm-hmm. it now. That's good. You know? I'm glad, glad, Yeah, you it's like a purge. You know,
1: <laughs> you, you're the
0: youngest person on the podcast by some years. So, okay. Yeah. So enjoy oh, okay, that. Okay.
2: Right. I still love enjoy the fountain that. of youth.
0: Yeah, you drinking it. it's, it's younger siblings turning thirty that kicks you. <laughs> oh, yeah,
2: yeah,
1: been through been there. <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah, so uh, Phil Chevron wrote that one, um, also known from his time with the uh, Phil, Philip Chevron and the Radiators from Space, which is arguably the all time greatest band name of all time.
2: I didn't catch that. What was that?
1: Philip Chevron and the Radiators from Space,
2: the Radiators from Space, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Unreal, yeah. like it's absolutely classic. Mm. Amazing, amazing songwriter, like, but uh, was in the pokes from 1985 on for a while. Um, uh, was there around about the same time as well when, when Joe Strummer took over from Shane McGowan. There was this massive period where Shane McGowan left the pokes,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I job. didn't know about yeah, that, and, actually. Yeah, and Joe Strummer was the lead singer for a while. You
2: see, I love that. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: And then Spider Stacy was the was the, the permanent lead singer for a while. And then McGowan came back for a sort of a reincarnation of the Pogues. Yeah.
0: Right, so They uh, just she... went
2: for a walk and came back. Long,
0: Shame, Shame long, long, Shane McGowan <laughs> long was briefly involved in a band called The Popes instead after himself and the other Pogues had a difference of opinion. On a number, a number of matters. He, he he formed a band called The Popes, which has seemed awfully similar to it. But this is during a kind of a lull during during the nineties, probably when um I guess also that at this time we had River Dance, you had the cores, you had certain elements, which arguably arguably, and- arguably these things were being made possible. But the idea that you started having pop music have incorporating elements of Irish music, like like Westlife having those kind of uh, fiddly bits and the chorus of course having those fiddly bits.
1: Um. Um, nothing nothing can hold a candle to a bewitched little uh, sad yes. little bit. Yeah, lippi-didele lippi-didele. and Yeah,
2: handle yeah. tree.
1: And That's th- p- kind of taken back your Irishness in a totally different way though, isn't it?
2: It is, like, yeah. A fight
1: like me da.
0: But it was a phenomenon that was made safe by the Pokes.
2: Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I guess so it, made it made it cool.
1: They made Irishness a marketable
2: you could say you could Mm -hmm. say that the Pogue's kind of you know breaking the wall down in the 80s again this is like you know not to disregard anybody else's efforts but like you're coming into the early 90s uh, late 80s uh, to the mid 90s and suddenly yeah there's this kind of Celtic renaissance mm-hmm. where suddenly Riverdance is making millions everybody it's so popular it's not to my taste but you know
1: Is Enya still the most successful okay. Irish recording artist Enya. of all time? Like,
2: yeah I mean there's,
1: there's one for you Yeah, uh,
2: Sinead of course yeah. like Sinead pretty much sings in her accent and she's like her brand as I said is, is a Celtic song, songstress she yeah. didn't change her name she's Sinead O'Connor
1: Fucking right Get, then, get that down you yeah.
2: And then (laughs) if you combine that then with uh, the Cranberries and like Dolores O'Riordan who
1: absolutely sang in her accent
2: absolutely sang in her in her limerick accent and a beautiful uh, singer kind of drawn from Shan Nose and all these kind of influences Mm, and they had a very almost I would call it a big American sound because it's like a sound so big it can fill an arena and you too had that as well you know Mm-hmm. Give
1: so, them their dues, like, you know, yeah. you don't have to be a fan to realise mm-hmm. that at a, at a certain stage, and a very recent stage, you two were the biggest band in the world, by, yeah. you know, by a stretch, like, there was no one to hold a candle to them until maybe, maybe Green Day releasing American Idiot and sort of going, they they did the same kind of genre breaking, sort of quantum leap, but... Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, um, and I don't know, in the 90s too, there's probably all these films about Ireland and, well, far you know, and away. Far and away.
1: A man has to have that Do you know what
2: my favourite <laughs> uh, cheesy uh, Irish-American movie is? The Devil's Own with Harrison Ford oh, and Brad Pitt. It's
1: so <laughs> awful.
2: That's why I love it.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it is so good. It's terrible. I so mean, bad, it's great.
2: Um, It's just, it's incredible. It's just, it's,
0: Brad Pitt, Pitt tried to distance it. himself from it after it was made before it was released he tried to um, he had been contacted by some fans in, in, in who had been victims whose, families, whose, whose family members had been victims of IRA violence And this is pre the
2: good Friday, Friday agreement you know? yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: and he said yeah but also himself and Harrison Ford didn't get on very well uh, at what point apparently Brad Pitt referred to him as Ham Solo
2: Oh. Ooh, that's oh. a very Dundalk insult actually <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ham, yeah. Yeah. Ham Solo yeah, yeah. Ham Solo <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can we start saying that, everybody? Oh, Is there Dundalk the people listening? Stadia, you,
1: you ham solo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stadia. I'll hit you. A box your <laughs> ham solo.
0: I, I used to work with a guy from Dundalk, and as it happened one day, another colleague, a very nice, innocent kind of guy, was like, You know, lads, good news. It's like, supervise super today, they've got half price hams saying, <laughs> You're a bit of a half price ham yourself. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I, I fully
1: <laughs> I fully expect a text this evening from my brother-in-law, Shane, listening to this on his way back home from Dundalk saying, it's a shade accent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yes.
1: Yeah, still though, you're a bit but, of a half-fried ham. Yeah, yeah, ham. <laughs> and a ham solo. God, yeah.
2: so, you know, Somebody from Dundalk is going to change their Twitter handle to that. I hope yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Ham solo. Please uh, ham solo.
1: do. Mm. It's also a great band name.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we've, had ham,
1: we've had ham sandwich yeah. Now we can have Ham Solo. Yeah,
2: a Dundalk uh, folk punk band. Come on, guys, Ham solo. Yeah, solo. Get it going.
1: Ham Solo. You can be supported by the Whiskey Train. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> making up bands now.
0: That sounds
1: great. Um, was it, uh, the, the the if I should fall from the grace of God? Did that one have uh, fiesta on it?
2: I
0: think so because that's that's, that's
1: that's an absolute tune. Oh, you're
0: And then also that That is something that got sampled a lot It's a real Reeling in the Years Background yeah. piece And um,
1: <laughs> I love the <laughs> I love the moment On Reeling in the Years Where the music stops There's silence you oh, know, stop. oh no, Some terrible shit just happened Oh
0: man
2: Yeah oh, you hold your breath Don't get you get ready, like, what good, now?
1: get ready for a good cry Oh we're, shit We're getting
0: we're, we're about to have a whole New series of Reeling in the Years And the first episode Is going to have a guy Slipping on ice
2: yeah! Oh, that guy. Ice Do you guy. know what? Like, has that guy ever like come out and identified himself?
0: Absolutely. No. not. This is why. This I is feel why so s- bad. For him. This is why some people think he may have died that day.
2: Oh yeah, there's, yeah. There's this new conspiracy theory now. It's like he's actually dead. That's why we haven't heard of him since he's dead.
1: Uh, a, a beer company put up um, a plaque on that. the spot where it happened. Hmm. Like. Well, welcome, welcome to the branded hellscape of the 2020s. Like.
2: Oh yeah, I know, and it literally is put up so people can take a picture of it and put it on Instagram. Yeah, and, Twitter. and it's got like a logo for of that. the beer
1: company. Like yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: some good marketing there. Yeah,
1: but so yeah, Fiesta is is incredibly sampled. It's it's all over the place, but it's uh, it's a strange departure from not from like not in terms of like tempo or upbeatness because they always had upbeat songs and they always had sort of songs you could dance to but um it's just a bit of a departure in terms of storytelling it doesn't ha- it doesn't have the same kind of not that it's incredibly commercial itself like you know but it's mm. uh, it's it's just it's kind of showcases the range of the Pogues it was there's was a bit more musicality to it it was a bit like
2: was there a bit more kind of flamenco in it was yeah it? And why does that just work so well? Why does a kind of Irish trad and folk kind of work so well sometimes with Spanish or... Mariachi music, like
1: the, the Armada came over and rode us that's, sideways. That's <laughs> what, <laughs> we're that's, all a little bit Spanish. That's how the story.
2: Yeah, that's what we like to think. Like <laughs> yeah. ex- ex- Anybody, ex- anybody with any
1: way dark hair in
0: Ireland, just oh yeah, yeah, but the Spanish bit Armada, of the armada there. There, you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he
2: looks Spanish. Yeah, he wishes. Hello, the, uh, ha- my name
0: is Juan. I'm <laughs> I from the Armada. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to have sex? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, cheers so Juan, <laughs> you're some rogue. <laughs>
1: half a Connemara they've got dark hair and quite sallow skin be, oh it's the Armada it's not he's working fucking picking potatoes yeah, like nine hours a day
2: all day <laughs> his skin land. is
1: leather
0: like. I know oh my god yeah. Yeah, P- uh, poor old Jose landing in the Armada trying to crawl his way back <laughs> into the boat and being dragged <laughs> <in>. <laughs> get back here mate. <laughs> yeah
2: I think it, uh, the combining though the Spanish music and, and mm. the Irish music it is kind of that very kind of socialist leaning kind of sim- sympathies towards kind of you know fighting the oppressor and all that kind of stuff and you've got a lot of that obviously in South, South America Yeah, you know,
1: even and to be honest with you you probably would have definitely had the lived memory of it in Spain even mm. at that time which was just coming out of Francoist rule and being yep. restored to being a royalist constitutional monarchy like it's uh, this is like I, I think people tend to forget just we are not very far removed from the specter of fascism
0: yeah, no, You know, like not Franco
1: died in the 70s and the Pogue songs have a very anti-fascist leaning in a big way. Like of to course. go to go back to um, Rum Sodomy and the Lash, you know, when yeah. you deck that fucking black shirt who was cursing all the yids, it's like, ah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes,
2: exactly. No passer on. Yeah, because the identity is an underdog identity and the underdog does not like fascism.
0: Definitely not. the. So, and I think Julio Iglesias was banned in the USSR because he represented fascist Spain, the Eurovision.
1: Yeah, well, what? He, yeah, he, was, he, he did? was yeah, he represented well, Spain and and you know, I don't know Julio Iglesias' personal leanings, but he was a favourite of Franco and he was Spain's most famous pop star at the height of Franco's. What about Israel.
2: Enrique? What's his views on socialism? I, I'm f-
1: I think he's staunch. <laughs>
2: Do you think?
0: I, no idea. I, what I kind I, of I, hero
2: I, is he? He's, he's,
0: <laughs> i, I <laughs> I imagine he has kind of moderate centrist views ah now Daniel O'Donnell-ish no 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 actually I won't slur down Daniel O'Donnell Daniel Donald a good guy is he still is, he
1: still is he still married to Anna Kornikova
2: oh I don't know that's going say back. Anna
0: Kornikova in a loud accent
2: Anna Kornikova oh yeah
0: Yeah. <laughs> sounds better nice, yeah. sounds better nice. than the way I said.
2: it I know her well <laughs> I know her well
1: <laughs> she's a half-wise ham
2: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but so I mean
1: to wrap up, <laughs> yeah. Because
2: we, we, we to go from Enrique Iglesias. Yeah, I know off topic there.
0: <laughs> no, but it's. I think it's. What's your favorite poke song
1: then? If you uh, had to choose one,
2: do you know? I do like the old main drag. Yeah. I do like that one.
1: Pretty, it's pretty spectacular. Do you
2: know? Yeah. And there probably is other ones, but you put me on the spot now, so I'm trying to think. Just yeah, the top on of my the head. spot's good. We like yeah. this good
1: reaction. I'm going to opt for haunted. Yeah, which is it is haunting. Like it's it's unreal. There's a version of it. Done with Sinead O'Connor, but the, yeah. the, the version with with Kata Reardon doing the the female uh, lead is is pretty good as well. Like it looks so cool. You
0: gotta put out Vietnam. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I want to be haunted by the ghost.
2: And I do like the band. I know that it's a cover the band played was in tell The voice yeah. just so moving. That's what I like. Co- it. it's sometimes very moving. the cover
1: version is the best version. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh okay. yeah, you know, in a big way.
0: Like a real so- a true songwriter respects the songwriting of others and just finds yeah. something in it. So that, that that is definitely something. Do you think they'll ever reband like them again?
2: Uh, yes.
0: Like the Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: It's not going to be. It? Pu- it's not going to be punk rock, but there is a bit of a. There's young twenty five year olds now at the moment who are really embracing their trad roots, and you're going to see more of it. It's coming, and it's it's on the rise. Do you nice. know what I mean? Nice. It's like there was a time in Ireland where people thought Guinness was an ale full of drink. Now, if you go out to the workman workman's club, everybody's probably drinking a Guinness. Do you know what I mean? There's these little simmerings going so on at the of, moment. Yeah, He saying
1: it, it's kind of cyclical. Like yeah. these things come around again. Yeah, and again. it's like
2: Shane McGowan coming on the Late Late Show and everybody being like, "Oh my God, he's making a show of us." <laughs> to to people looking at him now and being like, "Wow, he's the most punk rock Irish man ever. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. love him. He's not British. He's ours." You know, yeah. there is that. I'm telling you, it's coming.
1: It's a, it is. Yeah. In, it's incredible to see the. The Pogues going from, you know, their beginnings where they couldn't possibly have started in Ireland through, oh, they're on the Late Late Show and making a show of us, to getting his own Late Late Show and being absolutely universally acclaimed, completely loved by the Irish people and, like, if anyone has a bad word to say <laughs> about Shane McGowan we'll fight you in the car park. <laughs> Actually,
2: another one I like, and it's on YouTube, I don't know It's no, there's a recorded version, it's uh, Shane McGowan playing with the Dubliners and singing the Irish Rover and he's got Ronnie D- Drew in high, with his hands in his pockets, standing beside him and it's just, oh, it's just so cool. It's There's something so organic. It has the, the, the feeling of a pub session and I just yeah. love that song. It's
1: pretty cool. That was on The Late Late as well, wasn't I think that? It was on the, the tribute to Ronnie Drew or something it, like that, is well, it?
2: Well, Ronnie, Ronnie Drew was... Uh, was performing with him I don't know when it was it, yeah. it looked the clip looks like it's from the 80s oh, anyway, so ni- fa- yeah, 90s definitely yeah.
1: from Irish television though cause
2: oh I yeah nearly 100 like, sure yeah you can kind of tell
1: hmm. <laughs> we, have, we have the Pogues and the Dubliners let's put them both on the show the same. let's yeah. go come on get it done do you remember when the Late Late Show used to have great guests <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> every <laughs> now, time Every episode the, You have to you have to drag the, the, the Late Late Show
1: Yeah the only The only great guess They have now Is if, mm. if it just happened That the Pogues And the Dubliners Were eating in the RT canteen They might accidentally End up on the sure, they have that the young late fellow
0: Who likes watches <laughs> He was what? great
1: The horologist From the Late Late Toy Show A couple oh, of years ago Oh the little fellow Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the kids on the Laps tractors oh, There's yeah. always a social media star a sensation every year It's brilliant it's
0: Brilliant and terrifying For your parents <laughs> Yeah <laughs> <laughs> But Jennifer we love to ask all our guests what their favourite Irish word is.
2: Okay. I've got one that's just from my childhood that I remember because my uh, old headmaster Lorcan O'Hulicon was a Gaeilgeor and I I'm not really but uh, he would have been very passionate about his heritage and stuff. Mm. He used to always say Ludramon. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> and I just love that word. Did he,
1: did he say it to you about no, you? No, no, I was okay. always a really
2: good student. But uh. like he'd be there like saying, "Nah, you Ludramon, you know? <laughs> and I've just like ever since I left uh, primary school, I never heard anybody uh, really say it much. And I just had always stuck uh, in my head. There's lud- kind ludramon, of, yeah.
1: There's like a lovely hierarchy of insults. that, yeah. like, It's not actually that insulting. It's yeah. kind of playful. And it's kind of, you know, like, you eat it can be playful. Yeah. Or it can be actually really biting, like, depending on how you say it. But ludramon is always sort of soft, playful. It's not mean. It's, it's not mean. No. It's like,
2: yeah, it's like a light slag, you yeah, know. A light slag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: A poke of sorts.
1: <laughs> You're a poke of sorts yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank can you. you. Us,
1: thank
2: you for having me. Uh,
1: it's been brilliant. It's been enlightening and fantastic. And, can you uh, tell... No, go on.
0: Can you? sorry go ahead
1: where can we hear more of you and your podcast and okay, what you're up
2: to my podcast is called I Love This Band and it's available on Spotify it's available on Apple Podcasts whatever search apps you use and you can follow me on Instagram at I Love This Band Pod and yeah I'm on Twitter at Jen Q Web it's up to yourself if you want to follow me there I talk love a lot of shite <laughs> yeah well
0: it's Chris.
1: been a pleasure talking shite with you <laughs>
2: thank you so much guys I really love that now
0: Thank you so much. So until the next time, it's a slant from me.
1: I slawn slant, Wimshaw.
0: Mind yourselves. What a great episode.
1: Yeah. It was
0: <laughs> what a great episode. It was wonderful to talk to Jen Quigley uh, on, on our show about the pogues.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. One of my favorite bands, and it's great to learn more about them. Really, really fascinating. Social history of the Pogues is great. And, you know, um, highly recommend listening into uh, Jen's podcast as well. I love that band. Uh, really cool. This band. I love this band. <laughs> I love this band.
0: It's one I'm sorry, yeah. Jen. <laughs> yeah, her show, I Love This Band, is great.
1: Yeah. Motherfucker comes out every Friday on the Headstuff podcast network you can get us at uh, motherfuckler at headstuff.org and if you think we sound good you can record in this very studio the podcast studios by Headstuff are just open and it's a fantastic opportunity for you or for your business to record a podcast a video podcast a vlog whatever you're actually putting together headstuff can accommodate you we had the opportunity to record the podcast you just listened to in their fantastic video podcast room um, we don't have film to show you but but trust us, we look gorgeous. Uh, so yeah, you can uh, find them on thepodcaststudios.ie
0: podcaststudios.ie <laughs> podcast
1: Thanks as always to Kirsten Chil for the amazing artwork and to Brian for producing.
0: This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Yeah.
2: yeah. Speaking of Elvis Costello, yeah, his real name apparently is Declan McManus. It is, yeah. yeah.
1: Declan mm. Patrick there's, McManus.
2: There's another one, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the kind of secret, co- covert. Secret party. No. Co- covert parties, yeah. <laughs>